Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're going to get blind drunk. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and today we are, this week, we are reading All the Light We Cannot See. You Cannot See? Uh, You Cannot See. You Cannot See. We, we won't be able to see it either. By Anthony Doerr. And <laughs> it's We Cannot See. I'm sorry, I was wrong. All the, all the, we, we, we did read it, though, I promise you. <laughs> and we're starting with a beer, and it is from Lawson's Finest Liquids. Which is not the most... Uh, That's a great name. It's a strange... Uh, That's a great name. Uh, is any liquids? <laughs> yeah. It's called Sip of Sunshine. It's, it's a pretty, pretty famous IPA people get excited about. I think it's a double to like 8% or something like that. Yep. Just as IPA, but it's 8%, so it's a double IPA, I suppose. It smells like sunshine. It's a really, really good... It's good. Yep. IPA mm-hmm. in the you know IPA standard form. Not terribly bitter, but not the hazy New Englandy kind of guy or no lactose or anything like that. It is it's a good now, old fashioned. Now Lawson's is from um, Vermont. It's from Vermont, but it's it's actually brewed in Stratford, Connecticut. Why? By Two Roads. What? They, yeah, Two Roads Brewing Company. Like they seem to do more. They brewing. outsource it. Yeah, I think I think Lawson's is like probably just one dude. It sounds like. Is he like an American evil twin? Oh uh, yeah. Okay. There's a whole lot of those. That's what Deccan and Nails was too for until they opened their brewery. Just a nomad brewer. Yeah, a gypsy brewer. Okay. Well, all right. I had this for the first time. Um, well, not for the first time, but I had this in Vermont. I don't know if I told this story in the podcast, but I bought it at a Vermont in a Stowe uh, beer distributor. And it was like a crazy old man. He looked like George R.R. R. Martin if he had lost some weight, but not much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was buying like a whole bunch of beer, and I had a four-pack of this there. And he was like, huh. And I was like, oh, man, that's, that's, that's good a, beer. You know? like, and he was like, no. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's like, says it's blue. Do you know? I don't see any green mountains in Stratford, Connecticut. I was like, all right, dude, chill out. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Like, I know you're the green mountain state, but that doesn't mean you have to fucking can it. But he was very judgmental. Yeah, that he's sounds a, about right. He's a crazy person. Yeah. Probably drunk, too. It was like 10 a.m. <laughs> but uh, it's, a good, it's a good beer. I like it. It's like one of the few um, IPAs that's not uh, like the new hip weird things that I will still buy if I see. Usually I'm like, oh, let me try something new. But if I see this, I usually pick it up because I like it a lot. So this beer works because uh, the one of the main characters was named Marie, was it Lore? Mary Lore. Lore. Mary Lore. The French girl goes blind and uh, she can't see sunshine anymore. So there you go. And like the light and the title or something. I don't know. It works. It's close enough. Yeah. yeah. Good enough. Good enough for us. So let's talk about the main characters. There's uh, sort of two main storylines. Yeah. So there are two different storylines that come together at the end, but for the most of the book, they're just completely separate. So the first is about Mary Lore, the blind girl. She is it goes Mary or Marie? I think it's... Is this you know what? I don't know. It's, it's Marie. 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 Yeah, Marie Laura. Anyway, she, uh, she's blind, and she is a very young child. She goes blind when she's about eight, and her father is, you know, she doesn't have a mother. Yeah, I forget one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her father is taking care of her, and the he's mom's a... mom's dead. The mom's dead. The mom's dead. The father works as a, not a janitor a at the museum. He's the locksmith. Why they need a full-time locksmith, I don't know. But. You got all those, all those doors are locked. Yeah, well, I guess that's it. Uh, if, he's I'm also the like museum, the guy who people sign their keys out from in the morning and mm. return them to He's the, the key shift. master. Yes. He serves as a wool. <laughs> <laughs> the father, he that, that, that's just his job at the museum. And one of the plot lines is at the museum. The museum has a diamond in their collection. A diamond that's called... The Heart of Flames? Sea of Flames. Sea of Flames. There you go. The diamond is called the Sea of Flames. And it's like literally one of the biggest diamonds in the world. It's like 130 carats or something. Crazy but it like has that. a curse on it. 
and the diamond has been in the museum's collection for like 200 years, but it's never been shown. Like it's literally when they got it, they had to like put it away. That was part and of the deal show for why it. they yeah. had it. And and the curse though, part of the, the myth of the diamond, right? If whoever has mm-hmm. it can't die, but it'll cause terrible things to everyone around them. But also it's like a, it's a according to other versions, it's a 200 years and it's like year number 190, whatever it is, six, or just a couple years before, that the year 200 is going to be 1939 mm. in the beginning of the book, which, you know, it's a World War II book, 1939. It's pretty damn significant for people dying and shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're doing this book because when this episode comes out, it is going to be the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Which is this week. not that big a deal in the book because it focuses on other, but it's, a, you yeah. know, it's when we saved it's like, all those French people. Comes close to D-Day. Like D-Day itself is not an event in the book, but well, the second it, half of the book takes place not long after D-Day. Yeah, we should, absolutely. Because of the liberation of France. Yeah. So that's like the prelude. Um, most of the book is told out of sequence. It cuts back and mm-hmm. forth a lot of times for dramatic effect, essentially. Um, you see that the, the, the sea of flames is locked up, where, but the, the Marie Laure, when she's there as a, like a tour group as a child, the curator's like, oh, that's silly. It doesn't exist. And everyone's kind of not too sure if it's even a real thing. It's like a myth. You know, there's, there's so little information about it. And it's, it's, if it exists at all, it's, it's very well hidden. But of course it exists. So one of the things that happens in the book, uh, sort of near the beginning, is that just as in, in 1940, when Germany is about to invade France, that four copies... No, is it three copies? Three, co- three copies. Three copies of the diamond are made. Like, they're very, very good, like, fakes. And that... Each of the three copies and the original are given to random people. Well, not random people, but like people that work at the museum. Like not not the director, like other people that work at the museum, and they're all going to hide them in their houses or like one do something in to the hide museum, them. And three are going to be spread out, but nobody knows who has the real one. So they could all they could all be the fake one. They could all be the real one. They don't know. Mm-hmm. And people have it. And one of the people that gets the one of the one of the diamonds is Mary Lord Marie Lore's father. And so part of it is that he's like has this diamond with them as they're trying to flee, as they are fleeing Paris during the uh, German invasion. They're fleeing Paris and going to live with their uncle or his, his or her his great uncle. uncle. Well, first they go to the, visit the director, but his house is like on fire when they get there. Yeah. And people are looting it. He's like, oh, can't do this. Mm-hmm. And they walk. Elsewhere. Yeah. And they literally walk to the south of France. The uncle, I don't know how to say his name, Etienne? Etienne. Etienne. Mm-hmm. He's like an old guy with PTSD from World War I. Oh, not not just PTSD, but like agoraphobia, where yeah. he cannot go outside. He got like gassed, and now he's not one hundred percent. And his brother died in the war. Who was, you know, they were close, so he's like he he has fits where he like sees shit and he hides in his room all day and won't talk to the maid, the old French bitch that works there. But one of the things he he did, you know, shut in his house all this time, is he had built this amazing like radio transmitter, and he would play music. And he would play music, you know, but this was like, you know, 1921, 1922, and he would play music and he would, and it's supposedly for his brother, but his brother is literally buried somewhere in Battlefield. And sort of like, hopefully I could get him to hear this wherever he yeah. is, if I could build mm-hmm. a big enough transmitter, which actually, I read another book years ago about the history of recorded music and like, Italian guy. Uh, Marconi? Marconi, thank you. I'm not sure if it was him, but somebody was like, hoping to like, record sounds from the atmosphere under the assumption that like all sound is still bouncing around somewhere in the atmosphere and hoping to capture and like record the Sermon on the Mount 
That's what he was hoping. Oh, he, they believe that all sound yeah, was like still, still out there, there. Which I guess it kind of is on some level, right? It kind of like goes out into the universe and before, I mean, I don't know how far it goes, but like you hear things every once in a while like, oh, like the first broadcast of Seinfeld just hit Uranus or whatever. <laughs> Uh, those, those, they travel eventually. I mean, the signal must get so weak that it can't be picked up anymore. Mm. But that was like an idea. I don't know if it was Marconi, but somebody was hoping to record the you know two thousand year old spiel by Jesus. But that's like confusing radio waves with sound waves. Is before that they makes really no science they really figured it out. It was a new science. It was you know. And yeah, but was, to uh, invent the fucking radio, you've got to know some of that science. Also, Marconi. Uh, I don't know if it was Marconi. It could be. I could be confl- confusing that. But somebody and uh, Marconi. Anyway, he. Uh, didn't he violate like 15 of Tesla's uh, patents to make the radio? Like, even though Marconi's the guy who invented radio, he had, to, he had to violate a bunch of patents that Nikola Tesla had to make it. So Tesla essentially had all the parts there to do it anyway. Sounds about right. And he like talked to pigeons and shit. So, <laughs> uh, just one. Is <laughs> that another beer? Yeah. yeah. Let's do this Alpha Squid guy here. Yeah. This is kind of a theme throughout the whole book, but this is called Alpha Squid by the Rheingeist Brewery. In Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's a eight point two percent hazy double IPA. It's also Rheingeist sounds pretty Teutonic. It must be a connection as well. Yes, I don't like this. This is a pretty big letdown of a hazy IPA. This tastes like a is regular. This a IPA. Hazy IPA? That's what it says. It literally says hazy Imperial India Pale Ale. I don't get that. It's at only all. for one thing. It's only barely hazy, and second, it really doesn't taste like a New England IPA. It tastes almost like a bitter, some kind of berry. Well, I guess it doesn't have to... I mean, just because it's hazy, I guess it technically doesn't have to be a New England IPA. You could theoretically have a, like an unfiltered mm-hmm. regular yeah, IPA. But, but it doesn't even look that. Whatever classification this is, it's weird. It's not, it's not great. I mean, I take the sip of sunshine over this. Yeah. Any moment. Yep. yep. It's not bad, though. I wouldn't say it's... It's just kind of... I expected something very different. I don't like it. Uh, so pick this because... She's one always the, reading. She's, she only has two books. Well, she's feeling, I guess. <laughs> yes. No, I wasn't masturbating, Mom. I was reading. I was, I was feeling to, for lumps. It, it, it said a story. No? I wonder if you could do that. Didn't know uh, the guy who invented Braille? Mr. Braille. I forgot his first name. But he, Chuck. Chuck Braille. <laughs> it's Braille is the guy's last name, right? Probably, yeah. I think he wasn't blind, but I think he like would read at night. And, like That was the thing he'd do. Like, you could read in the dark. It's kind of cool. Because candles were too expensive. If, you know. With, he could read with even without the light you can see. I don't know. Yeah. Also, the Kindle hadn't been invented yet, so no. that's true. Just the candle. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the one of the books she reads is Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, and she only has half of it. She has the first volume, which mm-hmm. is a uh, four hundred pounds because it's the Braille version, so it's yeah. enormous. I mean, yeah, it, Braille must be printed on. I fucking it's don't know if I ever paper. managed Braille, like uh, handled it. Probably also in the olden days. It must have been like a sheet of cardboard. Even more so. So it's really expensive, and her dad is just a humble Parisian locksmith. So he... And all he does is whittle little houses and chain smoke. He's also... He builds a model of their... Arrondissement? Yes, probably. You know, like their neighborhood. Yeah. So that she can feel it and memorize the layout of the city so she can get to places and get back home by counting... Yeah, it's an, it's an amazing accomplishment for like a dude to make with, you know, counting his paces and the amount of storm drains. He's <laughs> like, oh, here's the entire town. Like, even just to figure out what scale to use must 
be difficult, right? You can, you can well, just like, would think so. He's a locksmith. He's good at you know just whittling tiny things. But he makes for every year for her birthday a little like puzzle box that she has to figure out how to open up. This little box that also doubles usually as like a house in the town, and inside is like a chocolate or a two, she figures or them two out chocolates. right away. Yeah, he's not the best at making puzzles. I guess I she know. could just be real good at puzzles. That one puzzle she can't do. Not jigsaws. Puzzles. Yeah, She's or probably horrendous at jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> she can't do Sudoku for shit. <laughs> when she does a Rubik's cube, it's just click. Did I get it? <laughs> click. How about now? <laughs> click. How about yeah? You closer. Can probably, you can probably get a braille Rubik's cube. <laughs> I guess yeah. A braille cube. Ooh. Ooh. We could make that. Trademark. Fuck. <laughs> really dip into that blind puzzle enthusiast niche. Hey, man. You know. There are tens of them. <laughs> tens! <laughs> uh, yeah, so he builds these like crazy models for her, and she learns how to... Because he wants her to be independent. He's very prescient. Like, oh, she's going to have to... I mean, obviously, as an adult, she'll have to be able to do shit on her own, but... She's got to go he buy baguettes so and you know, smoke cigarettes yes. on her own. But all, all, this, like, all of it, the, the scenes before they like get deeper into the war is him just sanding and gluing little houses and smoking. <laughs> Yeah, it 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 sounds like French. it sounds like a weird art film, <laughs> like just a man sitting in his kitchen, whittling a little house and smoking, and a blind girl groping around another room. Like that sounds <laughs> like a an art a student art film. There's an accordion music. Play. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> and then a, and a mime. <laughs> like ah, uh, that's it. <laughs> uh-huh. So we have also. It, uh, it's definitely a silent film. Yes, except for the the like Edith Piaf music or something yes. in the background. <laughs> We uh, have not mentioned the second other character. No. Who is the other half of the book. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, right. There is another whole thing, and it follows a young German boy whose name is Werner, and he lives in a... Shitty coal, coal mining, mining yeah. town. He's the, the West Virginia of Germany. <laughs> He's there in the, the Ruhr Valley. He and his, child, his sister are orphans, so they've got it pretty Twin much sister. the worst you could get. Yeah, and they're also like... Are they twins? Yeah. Oh. They're most Aryan kids ever. Like He has they're hair like that's so tail. white. It's not so blonde, it's white. Like later on when he gets measured by the Nazi, you know, school oh, moms, yeah, like, they have like a 60 shade hair thing and his is off the charts white. It's like an albino It's like a little professor. And he's really good at something. It's hating Jews. No. He's really good at technology stuff, particularly radios and math. All he needs is Radio Gaga. Radio Google? The tiny radio tiny baby. Uh, so this beer, I think you brought Nate. This is by the Transmitter Brewing. Uh, it's a Transmitter Brewing in New York. It City. is an apricot goza. Oh boy, tart, salty, and citrus. It's probably called like W two or something like that. Called, right? This one is called W six because we already did our taxes. Mm. <laughs> so mm. Transmitter radios and shit, and he builds. He finds like a dilapidated part of a He's radio. He's like really into science, so he like loves the science books, and then he like loves tinkering with things, so he like is able to like, he learns how radio works, radios like work, a... and how to fix them, and this is like the mid-1930s, so that's when, you know, radios were still like, you know, the size of a small appliance, and took like really big Parts and yeah. managed to figure out how to fix them. He's and like still, electrical engineering savant. Yeah, he's this little prodigy that could just look at it, and he has the patience and the um, intuition to just kind of like, oh, this need, this thing here doesn't seem to be connecting those parts there. The wire is wrong. And he quickly earns a reputation as the little the little radio repairman. 
and he starts, you know, making or whatever radios. forty-six syllables that is in German. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is a this is from transmitter and radios are uh, transmitters and shit. Exactly. It's very much radios. I thought this was going to be horrendous because I don't bad. really like gosas, but this is not bad. It's good. It's it not. It really that tastes like apricot. It reminds me of like a really fancy juice, <laughs> like not like an ocean spray, but like from like the uh, the organic section. Of the key food. <laughs> and it's like, ooh, it's like next to the kombucha, where it's like, this is an apricot press or something, some weird shit like that. Mm, yeah. And it's like, oh, this is like a very fine juice. It's $8 for a bottle. Yeah, so I like this. Uh, I thought it was going to be really, it smells really like, oh, Jesus. It but smells like a fancy cider. It's just a little bit tart. I like not, it. Not I think sense. it's really good. I still have never just eaten an apricot. It's, it's uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell you. It's like a peach kind of? Yeah. Okay. It's a peach. A fancy peach. <laughs> it's a bougie peach. Bougie peach. I think we made the same joke at some point in the past. Probably. We yeah. about this. Yes, we did. Um, so he is a little little savant for radios, and he finds like a book about math, like calculus or something, and he's like learning from it. He's a trigonometry. Little, he's a little genius. Trigonometry is a theme in this book. He's a little genius, and he at one there's like this heartbreaking scene where the guy visiting their orphanage is there, the German dude from whatever bureaucratic realm, and he's like. He sees the book, and all the other kids instantly rat him out, like, oh, he's reading a bath book. And he's like, your place is the coal mine, kid. Also, that book was written by Jews, oh, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think so. So uh, this was the beginnings of Nazi Yeah, because like the, the, the older kids in the orphanage were like yeah, the Hitler the, the Youth. Yeah, the two oldest kids were in the Hitler Youth. One of them became the Pope eventually. It's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> 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 it's a little historical fiction here, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they take the book. He's like, you're going to be a coal miner until you die at 36, kid. Get used to it. You're middle-aged. Or we're just going to wipe out a generation of you soon anyway. So. Yeah. so he takes away the book, and then you're like, oh, no. It's only a quarter through the book. This definitely can't be how this ends. <laughs> so how? So he eventually, um, there's like a rich Nazi guy. Mm-hmm. I forget what his job is, but he's... He's basically oh, he was put the, in charge uh, he of was like the town. I think he was like yeah, he was like not the mayor of the town. He was like it's the it's like the whatever the version of a governor is. You yeah. know, it was under you know just like this is your town to run, run yeah. it. Make sure you have to power the the Nazi war machine because we need all the well, not the war machine yet, but the buildup of it yeah. by supplying coal to the rest of the country and you know work those peasants. So he is so, running this town. And Werner, so in his but his wife's radio like broke, and so she can't listen to her. Soap operas or whatever it is. So Werner goes and fixes it, and then he gets chocolate or something like that. He gave him cake, like yeah, big cake, cake with powdered sugar and cream on it. And he's like, uh, "I mean, this is an unbelievable luxury for these kids." Mm-hmm. Who usually like he got home from the uh, from his usual repairs and was like, "Oh, we saved your dinner." Like, here's a potato. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, good, a whole potato. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so he gets his piece of cake, and he's like, oh, my God, this is the best shit. And that guy's, like, amused, like, oh, all right, here's more cake. This is, let's just watch you eat cake now. This is cool. But he's like, I had two repairmen come in here, and they were both unable to fix this. So I figured I'd give you a shot before I just go buy a new one, because they say you're a smart little kid. And the the wife is this rich and, you know, spoiled German woman who's just like, I want to listen to my programs now. And she's like... You know, this is they live in a coal mining town. Everything is like dirty, sooty and dirty and shitty. And this woman is like attractive and has like shaved legs and nail polish on. Like Werner's never seen this world of any luxury. remote luxury. Yeah. But of course he figures it out. Everyone like he knows minutes. is dead or an orphan. Yep. 
or the old French woman, or like she's she, a, she's from uh, she's from like Alsace Lorraine or something. She's from Alsace, but she's like she runs the orphanage. Yeah, she's like a nun or something like it. Yeah, but she doesn't. Something, something. She doesn't like to speak French in front of the Hitler Youth kids. Event, yeah, in the beginning, and they, they don't they like. Were, he doesn't like anyone to know that he understands French from her. Right. Um. So then, by, by impressing this important guy, he puts Werner to go to this like Nazi Hogwarts, and they <laughs> <laughs> not a fun Hogwarts though. But it's basically though, where he of goes. The Nazis, it's the best camp you can be sent to. Everyone's in Slytherin here. But they come, <laughs> But that's really what happens. They're like, you're going to go to... two or three Hufflepuffs. The Nazi boarding school. Werner's yeah. probably a Hufflepuff. Yeah, he's a Hufflepuff. That was the one that was for everybody else. <laughs> and his friend... Uh, was it Frederick? Freddie. Yeah. Fred- Frederick, he's definitely... Who just loves birds. Yeah. Maybe he should be in Ravenclaw. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, so no, he's anyway, probably so, Hufflepuff too. So he joins... <laughs> this is basically, you know, like Hitler Youth. Not even Hitler Youth, but like... It's to get into this, Hitler This Youth is like almost. an elite academy, though. Like, not yeah. everyone's just... Like a lot of these kids I mean, are like, rich, kid, rich families. It's like officer children. training school, but like kind of. And anyway, but they're going through like the boot camp version of it, where they really just have to like run a Most lot of kids miles, fail out, and they beat the shit out of each other. And they usually and the they, weakest, you know, kid. and they and then literally that's the the basically the drill sergeant dude. He's like, who is the weakest link? And they right. target that the kid. other really nice kid. Well, yeah, they do it a few rounds of it mm-hmm. with different kids, but he. He's like a fat guy who wears his World War One medals. Like he's like living in his glory days, and now he gets to bully nine year olds. And so he well, makes some of them are a couple years older. Sure, but, but, they're, but they're, they're still they're still they're like nine to twelve. So yeah. he's like, who's the weakest? And and they like make them turn on each other to build some sort of like weird solidarity that they're gonna mm-hmm. serve and to eliminate the, state. the weakest link. And then he's like, all right, I'm gonna go march out here a uh, hundred meters and um, give you a ten second head start. And uh, you got to get to me before the rest of the kids get to you. And he never says what's going to happen, but it's implied like they're going to beat the fuck out of that kid if they catch him. And they do because they always catch him. No, they don't catch him. Right away. No, usually they don't, don't catch him. They don't catch him. Yeah. They, well, it's, it's always they like catch. Ju- oh, they do catch. Yeah, Frederick. but like the, that's like the third time they do it. The, the first other kid just days. makes it. And um, for Frederick, I think he does it for Frederick twice. And the first time Frederick makes it, and then the second time it was he like counts. In the, was it like, it's like in the snow. In the snow, and he counts really fast. And Frederick's like, doesn't even know what's happening. He's like, 10, 9. He's like, oh, shit, I have to start running. And it's like, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. And then they, they, they capture him, and he gives him like this fucking uh, like 18-inch black dildo or something. It's like a rubber black bar, like a, a blackjack or something. I don't know what the hell that thing's called. But it's like a giant, giant fucking melee It's a whacking stick. <laughs> and they, he, he gives it to some other kid. He's like, go smack him, hit him with this now. Like, Hard. And they beat the fuck out of this kid, like until he until he until like he becomes a vegetable. Well, not not at this scene, but until he'll admit that he's like shitty and weak. Because yeah. he's like, "Are you mm-hmm. the weakest?" And he's like, "Well, n- some people are stronger at other things." Like, hit him again! Bam! I'm strong <laughs> at birds. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like a really smart and thoughtful kid who's in the who's totally just the wrong place. Not cut out to be a Nazi, <laughs> but his parents are yeah. rich, so they've pulled strings to get him into this place. Like they've they've read the writing on the walls in Germany, and they're like, "Ooh, let's." Mm-hmm. We definitely want to be hip with the party. And uh, anyway, eventually but, he gets beaten so hard. So eventually, Werner, there's like they can take a short vacation. Werner goes home with Frederick to see Frederick's house, and it's all, all nice. And he shows him his book of Audubon Society birds. And you know, he's really good. It's Frederick, the American book. Yeah, yeah. Then Frederick is really good at you know pointing out this bird over there. He's a bird guy. Uh, anyway, they go back, and Frederick gets beaten in another one of those. Who's the weakest link? You don't even see the scene. He just wakes up one morning. And he's like, "Where's Frederick?" Yeah, his sheets are bloody, and he's not here. And yeah. There was a point where they he were did like, "Not have his period." 
There was a point where like all the other kids that like brought them outside in the winter and they had to like dump buckets of water on him. They no. had to throw water at the Jew. Oh, okay. They have a Jew in that the dungeon. That's right. And they have to take turns throwing buckets of water at him, and Frederick refuses to. And they make him do it again, I think. I think they beat the shit out of him. Uh, I, I, this is different than the time they beat him to, 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 to death, essentially. Something bad happens mm-hmm. to Frederick because he does not uh, water I, the Jew. I, I think this is the thing he does shortly before the beatdown chase. Like, this is the thing he does to really piss off the guy. And even yeah. the, the professor guy who's been taking care of Werner, who's giving him, like, what he's identified Werner as this little genius, mm-hmm. has been giving evening extra homework and classes and, like, little pieces of chocolate for solving math problems and stuff. That guy is repulsed by this, but he just, everyone just kind of goes along with it because it's what you do. So they all, in the middle of the night, you know, late at night, whatever it is, they have this Jewish guy tied to a post who's like scrawny, filthy, like scared, doesn't know what's happening. He's clearly been like fucked, beaten up probably. And they all have to take a bucket of freezing water and throw it at him and try to hit him. And, and eventually they, they, he, he dies from this. Like they, they do this until he dies. Uh, and even the professor guy, he like doesn't even look. He just like throws it and moves along. Like, just don't want to think about what I'm doing. I have to do this or, you know, it's me or him kind of situation. And this is where we should probably introduce the other character that we meet at... Uh, at Hogwarts here. The giant? The giant. Frank Volkheimer. That's a giant name. That is a good giant name. Who is a, a kid who's a few years older, but is a giant. He's like, they never really say how tall he is, but he's like seven feet tall. Or something close he's to that. He's a brick wall of a boy. He's, he's, he's bigger than, he's, he's bigger than the adult. Like, Werner's small for his age. He's a little weird, tiny ghost baby. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Volkheimer is a, a giant by any standards. Certainly by kid standards. Yeah. And he, you know, everyone assumes he's like a lughead bully and everyone's kind of afraid of him. But he really likes classical music, right? There's a couple scenes mm-hmm. where the music plays and he just kind of like listens to it and gets into it. Because he's been, uh, I think part of, the, part of the book for the German thing is like you get identified for something and, and uh, it doesn't matter what you want or what you're good at or what you're interested in. Like the, the, the war machine is going to use you for what it needs to use you for. Mm-hmm. So even though Fulkheimer is a sensitive kind person he is a giant and therefore you will be destroyer yeah you're gonna be destroyer and Werner who is brilliant and smart like you know is as a great mind for technology like you're gonna use you to eventually help kill people too yeah in your own special way and he's gonna do it with radios and radios are involved with science and we know what that's about (laughs) (laughs) nice this is single cuts Double dry hop, 18 watt IPA, 5% uh, IPA out of uh, was this Astoria. Astoria. Yes. This is only 5%? Yeah. It's just a regular mm. IPA. All right. It's not bad. Yeah. It's nice. It smells delicious. It smells really, really good. It's a little thinner. It's only a single IPA? Thin. Yeah. Just double IPAs thicker? It's double dry hopped. It's not a double IPA. Double IPA is going to be. It's going to have significantly more alcohol in it than a regular. I mean, it's, like, it's like it's it's a little thinner bodied than I expected. I imagine the alcohol does affect the does it body. I, I have no idea. Yeah, this is nice. Um, I don't know anything about the different hops in here. I didn't read the can that well, but this is this is a fine IPA. It's it's pretty low key. Not super duper bitter. I mean, the smell is fantastic. I'm trying to figure out what this smells like. Just, it smells like not, a spring day. Yeah, very floral. No, wait, hold on. It does Citru- not say uh, like anything about kind of the. Smell. Uh, it doesn't say anything about the hops, no. But anyway, it's know. very good. I like it. But you're right. It is a little bit thin. But then again, it's a lighter IPA. So yeah, it's that's perfectly fine. Supposed it's to be. one that you can drink 11 of and be fine. Challenge Over a long time. Not all at once. Not all, yeah. at, not all at once. I'll get an hour and a half. Yeah. Spread yeah. it out. <laughs> Over an hour and a half. That'd be fine. 
So, uh, yeah, so Werner and, and the giant are hanging out, and they become kind of like weird, odd couple friends. Well, the book bounces back and forth between present, yeah, of course. or, you know, later, not present, later times. The end and, of the timeline. Yeah, end of their timeline and when they were kids. And it starts off with Werner and Frank in some sort of army unit that we're unsure of at the time. Mm-hmm. And they are in a bunker. Not in a bunker. They're in a they're, basement. They're in a basement which is acting as a bunker because everything above them is getting blown to shit. Well, and, and they're also the, trapped the in whole there. building yes, above the building them is collapsed. collapsed. They're, they're talking about the, uh, the, the is, giant anti-aircraft gun in the yeah. building above them, and it's operated by a bunch of dudes who just get got right away. Yep. Because it's yeah. basic. Is it? Well, this is that part. This this is the end of the timeline, which is both the end of the book and because it jumps around a lot in time. This is August 1944. So this is just a little bit after D-Day. Yeah. This is this is the, the fight to liberate France, but and definitely fight to liberate the little town, seaside town that they're in, which is called some Marilago. It is not <laughs> Marilago. <laughs> I, I'm like blanking. Something Maro or something, or I don't remember. I just kind of glossed over it every time I read it. Yeah, I don't remember. But they're, 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 the Allies are bombing the shit out of stuff. Yeah. In fact, another early thing in the book is that the pamphlets have been dropped that say... We're giving you two in days France, to like, evacuate. You need to leave. We're going to bomb the dick out of this. We are giving you time to leave so we don't kill non-war people. St. Malo? Yeah, that sounds right. St. Malo? Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Anyway, so that's the little this little town that they're to. So they're like, like literally trapped in the basement because their building has been completely collapsed around them. And so they spent a lot of the book, a lot of these little little scenes, um, trying to trying to escape. But Werner is still listening because he has his radio with him. So he's literally listening in. But why he has his radio with him, we don't learn for a minute. But first, a beer. Maybe he's listening for that. I'm sure they wish they had some down there. This is. Double dry hops down under bomb because they're down under a whole bunch of shit because of a bomb. This is from Sloop Brewing. A New England IPA. I feel like we've had a bunch of different versions of this beer. We had two of them when for like our Nelson Milkman bomb. episode. We were just the regular yeah. Hot juice bomb juice and bomb, then right. a Nelson bomb for Milkman. It's kind of a meh. Hmm. It is not nearly as hoppy as it's like a single cut. It's like really close to being super awesome. Hmm. It's like I can feel like if they just had a little bit more flavor, whatever this flavor is, it would be great. But it's kind of kind of muted. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's not it's not much. Doesn't say which hops, but it does say brewed with hops from the southern hemisphere. Okay, so there you go. Well, that must be from growing in Australia. The, the other way. <laughs> when we pee, it'll sit yeah, around right. the toilet the other <laughs> way. That'll be yeah. confusing. I feel like now I know what a knife is after having drunk this crocodile dundee <laughs> beer. <laughs> that sounds really painful. <laughs> yeah, this is actually I mean, it's good. Yeah, it's fine. It's just not, it's it's light. not super... It's very light. Yeah, it's very light, and it's 6.5%, so that's a little surprising. But anyway, if you want something, if you want an IPA that's not, like, kill you with hops, this is actually very nice. Is Sloop new? Like, I, I see a lot of this shit recently, but I don't remember seeing them before, like, six months ago. Yeah, yeah, maybe... I mean, they're from... Not far from here. They're from Westchester? Is that where they're from? Yeah, they're, they're really close. So maybe they have expanded their uh, distribution? In Hopewell Junction, New York... I don't really know where that is. It's like Westchester. Okay. So anyway, it's not far. I, I want to say I haven't seen them around until pretty recently myself. We should, we should try to weasel our way into going there and uh, letting them letting us record there. Do another World War II book. Or or anything about boats. Something about boats, yeah. Sloops. Mm, good point. Like a Horatio Hornblower book. We do all those at Finback, though. That's true. We'll also do anything they let us at Finback. <laughs> <laughs> don't we could also Eric. do a book about loose women. You know, sloops. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... Uh, so anyway, we got, Werner... We got so much more plot. But it so, also okay. bounces back and forth for both 
characters. Yeah. The girl is in this house. So it's back and forth between mansion characters mansion. and back and forth between time periods. So it's yes. almost like you've got four different plot lines that are going on at the same time. But it's like well, two characters well, in two different, each in two different time periods. And there is a third plot line that comes up a little bit later. It's a tertiary character. Yeah. Because he's a real turd. Tertiary, exactly. <laughs> I freaking forgot. His, his name, name is Von Rumpel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is literally a great name for a, a you know a doofus German guy. But he's not a doofus. He's like super. He's the he's the jewel hunter. But he's got dick cancer. He had throat cancer. No, I no. thought it was. Uh, it's in his. He has like a thing in his his gland. Is like li- it's like lymph nodes or whatever. Yeah, the fuck. So I mean, he's I thought a, it was, but they, but like the the, the uh, hard spots are in his pelvis. Well, the doctor's like, ooh, you've got a few months to go. But the, his whole body is riddled with cancer. Anyway, he's a he's a. Whatever shitty cancer he, he spoiler the cancer doesn't kill him. He is the um, <laughs> I, I, the, the weirdest. He's a division of the fucking Nazi war machine. Was like, and we have the jewel hunters. Like, yeah, I know we're worried about the Jews. No, no, jewel hunters. <laughs> and oh, interesting. That has Jew in the word. We got to get rid of that too, I guess, Hitler. And he's his job is to find jewels. And he he's going around Europe finding he's, he's finding artifacts to bring to this grand museum they're going to build in Austria. You know, to celebrate the glory of Europe, but like to take it all from all the other people and make this giant museum. And so he hears about the Sea of Flames, and he's like, "I want that. That's gonna be good. I want that in my museum." When the Nazis capture Paris, he goes right to the museum, and he's like, "Show me the diamond." <laughs> and, and they're like, "Oh no, it's not here. Oh no!" And well, first, they're like, there, "There's nothing. We showed you everything." They yeah. take him through like the whole tour. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, "I can. Uh, I could wait." Like that's his thing, his skill. But he really can't. <laughs> but he's like, I have all the patience in the world. Like I, and he just sits I can there. Wait about three months, and he stares at well, them. Well, that's in 1940. He's got time. Yeah. He's like, he's like, we'll wait here. And I, sir, we've shown you everything. There's nothing. Can I go back to shuffling papers on my desk until I get rounded up and put in a prison camp? He's like, no, we're gonna wait here. He's the master of the silent treatment. Yeah. He's like, no, we'll wait. And the guy's like, can I? After a while, he's like, can I go take a piss? No, we're gonna wait. And he just stares. Calm is it's like a it, it is an interesting tick for a character quality rather for a bad guy. It's kind of for kind a of bad cool. Nazi. Yeah, His superpower sounds, is patience. It sounds like it kind of makes it kind of fits. You know, like oh, the very they're so meticulous and patient those Germans. Patience <laughs> and ruthless efficiency. <laughs> it's very German. And then eventually he gets the guys to crack because he says something like, "Oh, don't your twin sons go to this school? They should probably be leaving now, wouldn't they?" And like, are my sons okay? I'm sure if you want them to be there, okay. Right? <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. And eventually they cave and they say, All right, here's the fucking diamond. But it's the fake. It's a fake. And so he has to find the real one. So then he literally spends, I mean, it's only a very short scene, but they, he spends the next three years finding all the other fakes. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he did it. Yeah. They, he, they, find, they tell him, he finds out who made the fakes. And I guess then, he had three, three years three, and that was all you I do. Made. I mean, sure. But like half of people will see fucking dead. Like the war is pretty intense. Yeah, it's not like there was really a good paper trail of where people went. Which is like they left. Yeah, the country is on fire. But eventually, he figures out the last one is got to be uh, with with Daniel LeBlanc because it wasn't with Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> it was not with Matt LeBlanc <laughs> or any of the other friends. It's like, must be Daniel. Yeah. So he goes after him, and the father does always say that he'll be there for you. <laughs> he does say that. When the bombs start to pour. But he gets, like, basically arrested and thrown in, thrown in jail. For suspicious behavior. Yeah. Because Suspiciously there's... Suspiciously French. The French fucking cologne guy. 
<laughs> the perfumer. Oh, who yeah. Who just reeks of bergamot and uh, whatever else you make perfume with, musk. He's a collaborator. Yeah, he is. He's, he's just a bitch who he's will a, do anything to help the Germans to he help He sells himself. everyone out so that they don't fuck him up. So, yeah, because everyone's claiming, you know, everyone's starving and rationing shit, and then him and his wife are still fat. All right, they're still... They have so many croissants. The guy's a real douche baguette, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but he, he sees um, the guy pacing and, like, counting his steps and writing in a little notebook because he's making another model. Because they moved oh. to a new town. Yeah. He wants to go to and he's got to make, yeah. make this model for his blind daughter so she can get places. And of course, uh, he sells them out to the Nazis. But it looks still. it looks shady. It's like, oh, he's definitely planning bombings or you know making maps. <laughs> what kind of bombers? Like, let me figure out how many paces long this block is. He's so casing I, the joint. But like, he's casing the whole town. It's like fucking a very intense Asperger's casing. We're like, I need to know how many paces are. Around it takes all thing. kinds. It takes all kinds, man. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but yeah, so he sells them out, and then uh, they take him to. Uh, we get, like some Some's fucking work camp. camp. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. back in Germany or somewhere, and he dies there. Spoiler. Yeah. I forgot about that part, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you never get like 100% closure, but you, he died of the flu, right? Because you find out later at the very end of the book when uh, she, she, you, know, you find that she had hired private investigators and oh, and yeah. re- requests of government document kind of shit through later laws. And the last, the only thing you found, like he was admitted to this prison camp at this time and he was, he had influenza at this point. And like, well, he fucking died of that, which is uh, too bad because he's basically the well, French Atticus Finch. He's just very much the greatest like, fucking dad in the world. He was so perfect. He's like, oh, I just want to make you house. And you know what? Is for you. And you know what else would be so perfect? Some fucking beers. Two more beers. And especially if we two tried two beers. beers. Yeah. This one's a double feature. Get ready mm. to get double teamed with fluids. <laughs> so these are uh, both from Evil Twin. One is called Grand Crew, which is a maple bourbon barrel aged stout and barley wine style blend. That's the yellow can, gentlemen. And the second one is Grand Cru Cuvée, double barrel edition, which is a maple barrel, maple bourbon, and Marsala wine barrel aged stout and barley wine style, barley wine style ale blend. So I'm assuming it's the same beer aged in different barrels. One is a maple bourbon barrel. and So one they like brewed the beer at the same time, but they split it and put half in one kind of barrel and one half in the other? That's what it seems to suggest. So we picked these because a Grand Cru is a wine style or a wine type. I don't really get wines, but they're from Burgundy or, Bur- or Bordeaux in France, which is a, it's like a specific kind of wine from France. And this book takes place in France, and that's good enough. And I'm sure they have, they have there's wine at points. People drink some wine. The, Definitely. The, they're the French. They Von, don't, they don't drink Rumble, water. whatever his fucking name is. He drinks wine at uh, the restaurant whenever he has to kiss his ass because he's the important Nazi. He has a glass of wine. which one was which. The f- which one did you give me first? The first one is the regular Grand Cru. The second one was the Cuvée. Initial impressions? It's good. I like it. You can really... I want to say you can smell the maple. In the first one? Or in, the first one in the first one. Yeah. That one, it's, it's a little more... Second one less. Strength. Second one smells different. Has I almost say it smells more alcoholic, but first one definitely you can taste the maple. It's Sec- good. Second one does like have it. a little bit of a winey wine aftertaste. The to second it. one is very much a wine thing, but the first one is much better. I like them. They're both very. They're both good, very good, but, but I do appreciate the, the first one is way better. They are both. If I had the second one only, I would not be disappointed in it. But between the two, yeah, the first one is. I would take it sans cuvee. If you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, they are both twelve and a half percent alcohol. Fuck. So. You know, I really like both of them. Yeah, they're no, both, they're, they're they're both really, really like good. Them, you know, but they're the, both the really strong. The difference in flavor is not very big. 
It's not. I, I, I know it's the, more it's smell. The, the aftertaste is like the second one. The aftertaste is very much like a wine kind yeah. of vibe, and the first, first one is like it's like a sweet stout. Yeah, you get a sweet. I don't really get the bourbon flavor. Uh, but no. I, I do. I do. Maybe it's my imagination, but I do smell a little maple. Well, the, yeah, there. I mean, the, I mean, you the bourbon actually, flavoring I think is I like I usually. Do. I think I do get a little bit of the bourbon. There's a little bit something. I want to say charry, smoky. The bourbon flavor is usually just kind of sweet in it. But it usually, I, I don't drink bourbon. I only uh, bourbon is among I think, except for that one. Generally, time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bourbon. I think never heard in general tends to be like a sweeter. Oven. I know that, but I, I, when I drink a bourbon in the, the times I've had it, it, oh, it, it all just, tastes like gasoline. It, it bur- burning death. So it's like, oh, it's a slightly sweeter napalm. It's a higher octane. But it smells like, I usually get like from the bourbon barrel beers and stuff, you get like a vanilla or coconut kind of flavor out of that or smell out of that. I'm not getting any of that. Well, whatever it is, these are both really good. Very good. Very nice. I like them. Definitely the winner so far. Mm, Just like at this point in the book, the Germans were the winner so far. So far. Back on track. (laughs) That task. So, all right. During the war, let's go back to Werner. During the war, his job was to operate this radio, but his but his, but it was a radio, it was a radio receiver. His job was him and another guy would basically lick it, lit, like what would they lick? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what kind of? Well, it never said what they were doing at night. <laughs> <laughs> they would look a little bit. <laughs> they were listening I in. I see why they call you the giant. Werner <laughs> <laughs> white pubes too. <laughs> operate. This radio receiver, but what they're doing is they're trying to listen in for like the resistance radio signals for the res- for the resistance fighters and underground whatever. For they're sending out they're sending out their own radio transmissions to each other, and their in Inverner has this like special equipment which he like helped invent, which is which uh, between two of them they can triangulate the location of these different things. That's what he needed all the trigonometry for. That's what he was doing. At the, the, the special, gym, the special problems, school, yeah. that was like, in the evenings. He was hanging out with the professor, him, the professor, and the giant. Yeah, and he was like, "If I do this math, here's a slide rule because it's 19 fucking 40." Yeah, and do, figure out where this shit is, mm-hmm. and and they've been pr- pr- this, perfecting this. This book kind of did explain to me what the fuck trigonometry is for because I don't know. This was I don't I don't I don't know if this was real. <laughs> so I don't know if this actually happened during. Well, the war, then I but, still don't know. But if Man, it did, but I have to imagine it was if the technology kind of real. if the technology worked of like being able to tri- triangulate between the two things, this would be a real I use mean, for trigonometry. Yeah. I, I feel like it it should be real. Well, right? I, I don't I mean, know. Like, if they you can kind of tell where a signal is coming from with two different things. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, so, so you're like detecting the strength of the signal or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like the radio version of like tracing a phone. Like, oh, it's between these towers, but right. this is like here is two guys, yeah. and the signal's coming from here. Therefore, it's coming from the third yeah. point. So anyway, they would they literally had a special truck that had this equipment on it, and they would drive the around bus. at <laughs> what <laughs> the bang bus. <laughs> No? They said the Bengals. No, it's the Bang Bus. Okay, it's, a, yeah. it's a special truck. The Bang Bus. The Bang Bus. <laughs> Welcome well, to the bus. Well, when you, when you're going to get in a sticky situation. <laughs> well, when you hear what actually happens to the people Hello, that they find, Fraulein. they do get banged. <laughs> they do. But they not, make a few new holes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> not in the, is dripping. Not in the fun way. Uh, it's fun for us. <laughs> so anyway, literally, they drive. First, they're in Ukraine because they're like it's in the the Russian front, and they're uh, driving around and they're just finding these radio signals and they're like going out and they literally when they when they think they know oh it's definitely that house over there they send the giant literally him into the house and he just murders everyone in the house. He just fucking. Doesn't even flinch. He just comes back covered in blood, and he's like, "Drive." Go, and, and, no, but what he says, not just drive. He goes, 
go get the radio. Yeah. Go take oh, the yeah, radio. Oh, yeah, like their equipment. He's like a yeah. really efficient, smart soldier for a 17-year-old kid. He's like, go fucking... He's probably 18 or 19. Well, actually, <laughs> he's like 19 because he's, had his, he's got his commission. And actually, uh, like, we skipped 1943. over the part where Werner, uh, that professor, left. And he fudged paperwork so Werner could come join them earlier. Oh, yeah, because he was like 16, but really... It's like, oh, we found 18. a mistake in your paperwork. You, you are, are 18. actually 18, and he's tiny. He's like a tiny Ridiculous. Germans don't make mistakes with paperwork. <laughs> Whereas by 1944, <laughs> they wouldn't give a fuck how old you were. They'd no. give you a rifle and send you out there. You don't even for have sure. to have boots. Get no. out there and shoot something. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so uh, that's first, first he's in uh, on the Russian front, and then once it's clear that you know the Allies are about to invade France, they send them you know, emergency over to the French coast. So they had to drive like, like two, you know, overnight a couple days to get all the way over to France. And then he's in San Merlo. And he's, Is, isn't there a point here where he visits Frederick now? I mean, when does that happen? He visits Fred. At he, visits before, twice. He, visits, he visits him before he gets shipped out. Yeah. He, so or, before, uh, he, before he gets shipped out, and he, he sees he's like old vegetable. Yeah. But Frederick's mom is still leaving to go play tennis. It's like 1943. Mm-hmm. And but she has to like, feed you got to do, do you. Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, don't ask him about before. It kind of upsets Freddy. Maid, show him in. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. I forgot about that. That scene just was so weird. Like, I, I understand during war, people probably try to pretend like things are normal so they could maintain some normal sense of life. But that, I can't imagine. I guess in 1943, things are still looking pretty good for the Germans that they were able to have the aristocrats still go to their tennis clubs. I, I mean, the upper classes are probably going to be okay. In most more places. I mean, the war on the Russian front was not going well. But but people didn't know that. Yeah. But was that on the um, retreat yet? I don't even know when that really happened for Germany. I know. That's, that's we don't know when he visited him in the scheme of Well, they do that. give you years, actually. I just don't uh, remember when they were. I don't remember. All right. Never mind. Sorry. So anyway, uh, and then, like, the final, like, bunch of scenes in the book happen where both both plot lines come together in San Merlo. It's, it's the, you know, summer of 1944. And uh, so let's go back to Marie Lore, where she and her great uncle, because now the father's, you know, been captured. Oh, he's been he, writing back yeah, letters, which are fucking been, heartbreaking. Yeah, the letters are, letters are crazy. But I mean, her and her uncle are basically using the secret radio, that, that he's radio transmitter that he has in the house to send messages to the French underground and to anybody's secret. So she, Love they have to... So... Uh, the maid woman, I forgot her name. She, all the old bags of yeah, Saint-Malo. they were baking messages into bread, yeah. into a loaf of bread, and then one the maid would uh, the maid woman would go to the bakery and they'd give her the loaf, and then she would co- come back home and she'd open the loaf and there'd be a, like pa- paper in it. Read this. That's what he would. That's what the the great uncle would read. Uh, however, the maid she dies. She's like gets the flu or something like that. But yeah, but she, she gets sick and dies. Yeah, she <laughs> she's old as shit. She's in her seventies. Yeah, but she she's the one that leads all these women on this like weird. It, it seems like a feel good movie scene where they're like, "We run this. We could do it, girls." And they all get together and they do like little French resistance hijinks. They're like, "We change the road signs so yeah. they think Paris is two hundred like, kilometers like north." Pranks. <laughs> yeah, they're pranks. Yeah. And and the uh, great uncle guy wants nothing to do with it at first. He's like, leave mm-hmm. me out of this. But he's got crippling PTSD, right? But he also just doesn't want to create problems for himself. And and at one point, and the Germans them con- they confiscate all the radios. Everyone has to give in their radios, but he gives everything he except for the secret, secret one because his is not only it's separate, but it's also it's a transmitter, not just a receiver. So that's right. different, and it's in the top 
floor. It's in the attic of this really pretty tall house. Running up through the chimney. Through the chimney. That's where the, that's where the antenna is. And, and they hide. They're able to like hide the door to the attic by it's putting like, the wardrobe like in front of it. Yes. It is. Yeah. It was like Narnia. Up Except there. instead mm-hmm. of a lion, it's a radio. <laughs> or witches. No witches. There was a wardrobe there. There, was, there might be witches in the attic. That's where they live. Might have been. No, not really. Uh, no. Anyway. No, no, no. Those books to make any So, <laughs> Werner and his truck are driving around and listening. They're trying to find these things. And Werner is able to, is able to find it. And, he, and oh, back when he was really young, he could hear that exact radio because right. the guy used to tr- do, like, science programming at night. You know, like, it, like he's... French Resistance NPR. It was like it was Carl a, Sagan. Carl, yeah, yeah. Carl Sagan. <laughs> uh, um, so anyway, Sagan of the Sin. But it was um, there was a recording of the Dead Brother that mm. they made before World War One. The they had written ten programs. Well, they of, pressed them onto records or something. Yeah, and, they, and then like whatever company wasn't interested anymore, so he has them, and he would just play them every night. And and, and um, Werner and his sister would listen to this, and it was a guy you know, talk about what rur. fucking coal came from and yeah. what billions and billions, billions yeah, <laughs> billions of stars. Like you were all stardust, and it was like it was like uh, the How Stuff Works channel, yeah. but on radio. <laughs> yes, and, the, and he was like, "This is amazing," and, the, and it, his voice is so he's such a good he has such a great voice. Like there was something the guy because he was, spoke French from the orphanage lady. Right, but like, he, like the, the, the quality of his voice was also just interesting. Like, a lovely he was, timbre. Yeah. So, so anyway, Werner, he, they're driving through this town trying to find these like you know illegal radio stations, and Werner like finds it, but pretends he can't hear it. So he like he's like pretend. Oh, I didn't find anything. Just keep scrolling on the dial, and he does this a bunch of times. Yeah. And he's purposefully hiding the information that he's been sent there to find, putting himself at a big risk. And he sees. Marie Lore on the street one time because she goes out to get the bread and stuff like that. He sees her and feels really bad because because he and his he and Frank had just like murdered a family. Yeah, they went by accident. They, like, they, oh, in Austria or somewhere. Like that. Uh, they, no, no radio in there. Sorry. They went into an apartment. They thought there was one in there because he was like looking for radios everywhere. And they're like, oh look, there's the antenna on the building. Let's go in. And they go they go into the apartment. It's empty and they. They're looking around, and all of a sudden, here's like gunshots. They had opened a closet, and inside the closet was this mother and child hiding. And you just saw the child on the street, and they had killed the fucking mother and kid. And so he has this guilt about this. Uh, this felt very uh, straight, ripped out of Schindler's List because the girl, he's like, oh, she's wearing that red cloak. I never cloak. saw that. It's the old, Schindler's List is in black and white, except, except the, the one girl in the red cape or red you know jacket or whatever it is. It's like, oh, the ghost of the red girl in the red jacket is haunting the German guy? Like, come on. This just feels a little... It's been done. Uh, I, I have seen Schindler's List, but it was a really long time ago. I don't it's remember a, that part. I mean, that's, there's two scenes where Oscar Schindler sees this girl in the red cloak. It's her, like, on a street walking around like a little girl. And then he sees at the end of the movie is a part where they're, like, digging up mass graves to, like, burn bodies. And he sees, like, sh- the, the red cloak is in the pile of bodies. Like, he sees her there. Hmm. So... Uh, I just like man, this seems familiar, but we'll get to the criticisms later of the yeah. book. Eventually, you get to the part where it explains how uh, Werner and Frank are stuck in the basement under the pile of garbage, and would they decide after like literally four days, no food, no drinking water, drinking the water from the uh, bottoms of paint like cans, paint, about like paint bucket, and they're like so disgusting, they're basically dying, and. Frank is One like, you know already what? died. Yeah, already died. Like the the, the actual the captain, the person. It was like two guys with the same name. I forget what they were. Yeah, it's like, like Gunther. Gunther, <laughs> Gunther one and two. I forget what his name was. It was something like that. Anyway, they already died. They're like down there, like, and and Frank is like, "Fuck it, 
get behind this little wall. I'm going to use my grenades, and we're going to try and like break down that uh, break down the try to like blow our way out. Yeah, well, he's been much like a madman. Uh, Frank has been hitting with like a piece of rebar, trying to mm-hmm. bully his way out of the rubble. And it's like even he's a giant and so strong, and never seems to get tired, and he can't fucking do it. Like yep. we're we're going to die in here. So anyway, they, he manages to get out. They manage to use the grenade and not die by setting off a grenade inside a basement. You know. Anyway, they managed to get out of the thing. They were like, again. It was like in a stairwell or something. Yeah, so, so they were they like, they're trying to get up the stairs because there's yeah. stairs going up from the basement. They managed to like get make a tiny hole to dislodge some stuff and then get out. Uh, and then Werner is out on the street. Oh, we need to talk about uh, Von Rumpel trying to f- in the house. Oh, yeah. This is like a really long part of the book, actually. So Von Rumpel... Okay, so Von Rumpel... Um, has figured out where the last diamond must be. He has also figured out it's probably the, very, the real one. And he figures Wait, out he the needs, house. He found all the fakes first. Yeah, he found all the fakes, and he finds out where the locksmith had brought his daughter. It was the grand, great uncle's house in San Marlo, and he's there in the house trying to find the diamond. He's like, it's here somewhere. He, find, he like goes through the house. He finds the model of the town, and then he sees that the house that he's found, the, like the center of it, where the, 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 with the house that he's supposed to be in, it's missing from the from the the, the big model from the model. Like the the actual house he's supposed to be in is missing from the model. It's like, oh, it must the diamond must be in the house. Meanwhile, Mary Lore, yeah, he just like breaks everything. Mary Lore. <laughs> Is hiding in the house. The great uncles. He's he's like he had to leave. He, he got, got arrested. He got arrested. She's hiding in the attic from the Germans. <laughs> Literally, he's she's hiding in the attic. I've heard that before. It's also familiar. Yeah, I don't know why. She never had a diary about it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's hiding, and he doesn't know she's there. But she has to be like completely silent. And it's like four days because he's like searching through the house, and then he like takes some morphine and like sleeps for twelve hours. She's like, I, if I move, he'll hear me, so I can't yeah. eat this can of peaches yet. Well, she doesn't know what the can is. She finds there's oh, two yeah. cans, and one is like string beans, and she can only she doesn't have a can opener. She has like a brick and a knife, yeah. <laughs> and she she gets like when they're bombing, she tries to like time it with the explosions to hit the can. Like she's you know yeah. she's starving. Thirsty, she's like peeing in a corner. That sounds fun. <laughs> and he's uh, tearing up the house looking for this thing. And he's like, I know it must be here. The yeah. grandfather got arrested for something. So they uh, all men, oh, able, all able able bodied men were like forced to like go build. Oh, like, oh yeah, too late. Yeah, but yeah he, all the Ger- the Germans basically forced everyone who could work to go out and like dig trenches or something. Yeah, like, like that. anyone between fifteen and sixty, you're like I'm fucking sixty three, you bastards. And they're yeah. like, No, you're not. Close enough. Nice try, Jacques. <laughs> anyway, so he had to leave, and he got arrested. He was in a prison camp for the next like week or so. He, he's in. A, he's during, still, he's during still in the, the town. Battle. He's in like a. Uh, they have all of them in some sort of in the in a building yeah. somewhere. So this is where like this is where the Americans have the town surrounded, but the Germans are in the town trying to defend it, and it's like pretty brutal. And most of the town is like getting destroyed from artillery and stuff like that. But this house is mostly fine. Bunch of the windows are blown out. Anyway, so Werner, he escapes the basement. And then he happens to be only a couple blocks away and manages to get in, go to the house. Because it's one of the only things, it's one of the only buildings still standing. But he manages to go to the house and sees, oh, who is this weird older German dude that is clearly like high? Because he's like high on morphine. And what is he doing in the house? And they like have a quick conversation. And then Werner shoots him. Yeah. Because he saves the girl. He's there and he knows. He tries to save her. I forget why Werner actually shot him, though. Like, could, oh, if Werner knew this was the girl's house. Yeah. I think he liked the girl. Well, yeah. He, you know, wanted to get some. 
She wasn't afraid of how uh, much of an albino he was. She didn't know? Yeah. He was all the white she couldn't like, see. This is my only <laughs> chance. Uh, yeah, so there's like a brief struggle, and he shoots the, shoots the other guy. And then she comes down, and then they are like have the, their best friends for a day. Yeah. <laughs> they eat a can of peaches. She takes him to the place. Oh, he totally skipped over how she like loves fucking snails. Talked, snails and the Nautilus, and that's the ship in 20,000 Leagues. Oh, man. That's so much fucking detail. Yeah. And um, he, she, she puts the little house box in this, um, I don't even know what, the, what it was, like a little, a little sack. No, and like where would they go? Where they it was like down by the water. Oh, and the, yeah, the alley. You, need a key, you need to oh, you need a key to get into it or something. There's like the, yeah, there's like an alley full of snail shells. But it leads to the ocean, and she puts the diamond there, presumably, because she has it in her pocket. The whole and she kind of knows what it is, and she connects the dots. Like this is the cursed thing, and she probably saved trying to save her dad, and uh, puts that there, and uh, then they kind of go their separate ways. Yeah, she goes to. She basically. You know, gets out with like civilians, and then Werner like basically surrenders to the Americans. Yeah, he, he gets, gets captured. Yeah, and he he doesn't. You know, they're he like, look at this child. child. So Werner go is like captured by the Americans, and then he's yeah, and then he's sick. Yeah, and then he's sick, and then decides to like goes. He's like in a sick tent for a week, and he won't. He like can't keep anything down. He just has intense diarrhea and vomits and sweats. And sounds like the next day after one of these. <laughs> <laughs> the next day after book club. <laughs> you don't book glow hard enough. So anyway, this uh, is Valor Ale by a 14th star. Oh, we've had something about them before. Yeah, we've had did one because they are from Vermont. Um, this is the one like veteran owned or something like that it says on there. Yeah. yeah. This is 5.2% alcohol. See, two connections. Veterans fought in the war. <laughs> veterans literally did fight in the war. Or they wouldn't be veterans. That's <laughs> true. What is this? It tastes like fucking tea. It really does. It's not old. I just got it like a week ago. It tastes like... Ice tea, the beer. Not tea popular. It not says <laughs> <laughs> it says a hoppy amber ale. All right, that makes more sense. So it's hoppy. That's what it tastes like. It's all right. Yeah, I don't. I don't dig this. Yeah, not my favorite. Earl Gay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of this. I, I don't know. It tastes. It, like is, tea. it is. It is a little it does bit hoppy. Taste a lot like tea. But it also doesn't have like much flavor besides that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. And I know that like when IPAs get really old, they kind of taste like tea. I but just got old. this. Yeah. I literally got this five days ago. So unless it was sitting in the refrigerator case for like a really long time, but but it should be fine. Doesn't I mean, make sense. A I would month have bought or two it already. Make a huge difference. I would have bought if if it had been there before. I would have bought it for a different book. Yeah, that's fair. <coughs> I buy a lot of the books. No beers for the podcast. There. And at this point, we just kind of buy any beer that looks like it might be useful, and then just pick the books around that. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Werner, he. Is in the sick tent, and he just just decides to take his stuff and leave. Oh, he leaves, and, which stuff. you're not allowed to do. Which you're not allowed to do because he's already sick. But he ends up. You don't have to just walk out of because he's an camp. idiot. He walks out into a minefield and steps on a mine and blows himself up, and then he's dead. Yeah, and the uh, the American you know serviceman who's like probably two years it's older like, than him. It's no, like, hey, stop. wait, ah, uh, fuck yes. No. <laughs> no, Back to stop, this Archie don't. comic. <laughs> Whatever I'm at here. Oh, Betty Grable, <laughs> whatever. I don't know what was distracting them, but... Rita Hayworth. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's like, don't... Oh, Octung. Oh, you know, yeah, fuck him. Oh, ooh, fire. He's dead. Oh, that's one less. Yep. So he's dead. And, uh, yeah, it just seems like for no... F- it seems so purposeful, though. Like, why did he just wander like, out onto the beach? Yeah, he was he didn't trying really to kill himself? S- I, I don't like think he was w- trying to kill himself. He just wanted to leave. I think the author was trying to make a tragic ending. 
Yeah. That's that's what the plan is. That's Maybe why he was delirious <laughs> from pooping. <laughs> and then he's like, let me, uh, let me like quadruple down on the tragedy. And then there's like a whole bunch of chapters in a row that like fill in the gap between that and yeah. sort of more or less the present day. Yep. And so there's another chapter where it's like, oh, whatever happened to Yoda, his sister... Yeah, she worked in a factory, and then when the Russians came in and like took over the town, they raped everyone. Yep, and she got raped. Which is real, by the way. That really happened. Oh, they raped fucking everybody. And it's, it's a really like awful scene, because a bunch of drunk Russians come in, they're just like, looking for stuff, and then they find a bunch of teenage girls, and then they all rape them. And it, like the worst part of that was the, the older woman there, who wasn't old, but like, mm-hmm. was a grown-up, and she's like, I'll go first. They'll be less harsh after that. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. That was pretty hard. And then fast forward to 1975. Like horses, like (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's another part. They're just like dirty and do really. Anyway, um, and then fast forward to 1975 when Yota, now that she's a high school math teacher, uh, and um, married an accountant, literally. Oh, she gets a visit from a much older giant, yeah, Frank, and he's like, oh, I found this. No, they brought this to me. It's from your brother. It's like it's from your brother. Here, take this. Yeah, you should have this. And, and then his. she goes to France, and then she goes to France to visit. And Marie Laure is a professor at the museum or whatever, a curator of snails. She's a professor of. Uh, oh, is there a word for snail professor? Snailology. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I feel like it's something with an M. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. Snailology. <laughs> Welks. I don't know. <laughs> Welkiology. Oh, Welk. Oh, goddamn it. <laughs> And says, "Oh, I found this thing, and there's this, and there's, and there's this weird model of a house, and I think it came from you. Do you think you know why that is?" And she's like, "Really? Oh my god!" So she takes it. Let takes me some, see it. Put it in my hands. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, take, anyway, it's like, "Oh, great, thank you." And there's a key in it, and she goes and that's the key to that little. It's the grotto key to the little grotto thing that has the diamond. She goes and finds the diamond. But didn't she leave the diamond there the whole time? Yeah. I, I don't understand what happened You'd there. You think if she really wanted to get in to find a priceless diamond, she could get help to find a priceless diamond. Like but diamond. she... 30 years. But she knew yeah. what the diamond was in that little fucking house. She gave it to him. It was like, here, go use but, this diamond. But the diamond wasn't in the house. The key was in the house. But she gave him the key. Yeah. She hands him the key when they no, parted ways. she handed him the house. She gave him the key, though. With the key. The house yeah, with so the key. Here you go, take it. these things. I just dropped the diamond on the floor right there. Here you go, man. Yeah. Go nuts. That part anyway, kind of felt it, weird. It was a little bit weird. And then fast forward to 2007 or something like that. Yeah. She's an old she's bag. She's really really old and she's with her grandson who's like playing Game Boy and doesn't want to talk. Yeah, he's playing Angry Birds. <laughs> like, oh. And then it just kind of ends and then she's like, oh. Yeah. And then life was 19 drain pipes to cross. <laughs> and she's like a professor of fucking snails and at anyway, the museum. That's the plot. That, yeah. Then there was a like it's it is a is pretty a detailed but there's a lot of stuff detail. in there. So it's a longish book. It's about 500 pages. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you guys think of it? I thought it was mostly boring. Really? I actually really liked it. So this is the second time I read it, and this is the second time I've talked with Mike about the book, because before too. we started the podcast, we, this is one of the books that we ended up happening to read and then happening to sit at a bar talking about. The genesis of this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. And I feel like I, this is the second time I read it. I think I did actually like it a little bit better the second time. Did you like it the first time? I didn't like it that much. Okay. I think I liked it a little bit better this time. I think there are a lot of like interesting plot elements that like come together in an interesting way. And it is like, because it is a very complicated plot and everything did really fit together for the most part. Although I do also have some criticisms of the book. Me too. 
it is a expertly crafted novel, right? Like every, there is not a word that that guy did not sweat over and consider and plan out, you know, 10 times over. Absolutely. And I, I totally feel like this is an English teacher's book. You know, like every single fucking thing is foreshadowing something or an allusion to this or whatever. It, it's a great book to read in that respect. Mm-hmm. But it, and I really did enjoy it. But thinking about but it more critically, here, here's time, what I it's a told Mike last time, and I still agree that all the different elements are really cliche. Yeah, like you've right. got the, and I started uh, literally. This, these are the notes that I took. You've got the blind girl with the heart with the heart of gold, the most perfect father, the Nazi diamond hunter, a cursed diamond, the orphan twins, the boy who just wanted to tinker with radios but ended up having to become a Nazi, um, and all those things are like. I'm like, really? Eh. The crazy uncle who is the eccentric uncle who like is able to turn off the 30 years of mental illness to save his great niece. Right? Like, <laughs> he, he's like, oh, fuck it. I'll We're go out. We're on unimportant relations here. I'm going to go out and get that goddamn bread. <laughs> like he just, and he could do that now. Yeah. After 30 years of not being, mm-hmm. he's like the grandfather in uh, Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. He's like, I can't Ooh, get out of this factory. factory. I better stay Free up. chocolate. Oh, I guess I could get up now. <laughs> My daughter's been washing rags for 30 years. <laughs> Everything is, is a bit extreme. Like Also, the, the good Nazi, right? Mm-hmm. That Fulkheimer says, like a whole bunch of people say, but Fulkheimer says it to uh, Werner. He's like, oh, all the things you could be. He says that. He's like, he's like a German Dr. Seuss. <laughs> oh, the things you could be to Werner. When he's like, Werner, you're so fucking smart, and I know what's going to happen. We're going to mm-hmm. be instruments of destruction and death, but you could have been something amazing. Like As, a, as if like... You know, so many of the people, which is, I mean, this is probably true of the Germans, many German people in World War II, but like they were normal people who just kind of like went along with things because they didn't want to hurt, they wanted to protect themselves. Yeah, because it was not a free country. If you didn't go along with what the Nazis wanted, you would be in trouble. Yeah. I mean, that is true. It is, but it's just so many characters and it's like the professor and there's Volkheimer and there's Werner and there's Frederick and all these other people who are like, yeah, man, like, you know, just, uh, well, actually not Frederick because he fucking gets beaten into a fucking mm-hmm. uh, sling blade territory but they they're like yes. oh you could just oh boy you're just so talented and this is so great but we gotta just go throw buckets of water on this this guy till he dies mm-hmm. and then cookies like yeah. everyone just turns around on it and yeah it's uh i know there's so more criticism of the book is that is the story is the story of kind of like a good nazi at least in Werner. You know, he didn't want to be a Nazi. He just kind of had to. And, well, that probably did happen in real life. Sure, to, like, sure, plenty of people. I, re- I really feel it bothered me way more than it should have. Like, for some reason, this bothers me a lot. I think it's because I feel at this date and time, we still don't need a book about a good Nazi. Even if he was an accidental accidental Nazi. I think that is more of a better way <laughs> to say it. That's a great band name. <laughs> <laughs> probably he not. A, he was an accidental... <laughs> He was an accidental Nazi. He just but, wanted to radio. <laughs> you know, and he killed the radio star. Uh, no, um, <laughs> and, and I feel like we still, even though it's been now like 75 years, we still don't need a book about a good Nazi. We just don't. I, I, just, I, I just don't want, I just don't think that should be a thing. I think we need nuance. I don't think everyone needs to be a rabid, murderous fucking oaf. No, I think nuance is important. I mean, yeah. And not every person involved in World War II on either side was purely good or purely evil. So I, I also think 
Germany as a country has done a pretty good job of trying to own the, oh, that was us. <laughs> yes, they did after the war. The second time they did it. The second <laughs> war, they did actually own it, yes. Have you ever heard um, is that uh, fuck Norm MacDonald bit? It's like, I don't know if you guys know about Germany. It's like he's, but they fought World War One, and, and as an enemy, they chose the world. And you would think it'd be like, you know, not even close, but it was. Right? Like, and then 20 years later, they do it again. Like, why are we letting them be a country? Like, I mean, I'm totally leaving a lot of the joke out, but it's like, they chose the world, and it was close. <laughs> it's like the joke of it. They, they, you know, they, they, they need to own some shit there. There's some, there's some culpability. Yeah. yeah, certainly. So, another criticism of the book is it really did leave the Holocaust out of the book. If you had put the Holocaust into this book, there, you would have checked off every single... It would, have won, it would have won every award. It did. It won the Pulitzer. Well, right. You're right. It did win the Pulitzer. Disabled but it won girl, every other award, too. Radio girl. Savant. It would Holocaust. already... Jules. <laughs> Jules. Evil Nazi. Good Nazi. It would already be a Spielberg movie that would already have won the Oscar. I'm surprised this hasn't been a movie yet. I'm actually pretty surprised, too, yeah. How I guess because Spielberg... 2015 or so? 2014? Something like that? I guess because Spielberg wasn't interested. It's like, I already did that. Yeah. He's done a lot of World War II movies. It's true. But I'm just tired of World War II books and movies. I know it was like the most important f- thing in history for many reasons, but I'm just tired of them. Also, I, I, don't, I don't like war books in no. general. This is like, okay, yeah, I, I get why it's important, but I just, after a while, I was like, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, people I, are still fascinated with World War II. I, my theory is that it was the last good war. Last Every one, one. Where there's a real reason to fight it. Whereas, like, at least I'm talking, about, actual, I'm talking about like, American history, where it's like, yes, it was right for America to fight the war, and we fucking won America. And then every war after that has totally sucked. Yeah. yeah. It's been awful. And so, if you're interested in this kind of thing, well, World War II is the one where you don't have to, like, feel a little bit guilty for being interested in it. It's also the biggest in any measurable way. Yep. And it has such cartoonish characters on every side, right? Like, there is no greater symbol of evil than Hitler, right? That is universally mm-hmm. understood. It's become so universal that it's, like, comically dumb to ref- to compare anyone to them. Told that to the internet. But then yeah. you have, and you have Stalin involved in there, too, and then you have, I mean, this book doesn't talk about the, the Japanese, the Pacific mm-hmm. theater of war, which is also, like, holy shit crazy. And then you have also crazy character like Winston Churchill's involved, and he's a ridiculous he's character. He's a ridiculous guy. He's a psycho. Yeah. And what was the what's the French guy? Charles de Gaulle. Like mm-hmm. Charles de Gaulle. Yeah. You have all these characters that are like car- caricatures. You know, like these these people that existed and and wielded power and like bigger than life nationalist figures from every country. Yeah, but also like all and across just the board, they're like fucking brilliant people. Who was they're the, interesting um, people. Mussolini they're... was a weirdo. <laughs> fucking. He wore a lot of silly hats. <laughs> he's like a Shriner. Yeah, he, he's a dope. I, I see why there's a fascination with World War II. I'm totally fascinated by World War II. I just don't you know, sit around on a reading World War II books all day. But you have another ten or fifteen years before you have to do that, right? Yeah, I wait till my kid starts like trying to date or something, and then I'll just oh, World War II all the start time, World War whole day. <laughs> but the scope of it is absurd. Like some estimates, it's like a hundred million people die. Like yeah. at the at the high end, but still. That's Jesus. not an unreasonable estimate. But like, fuck, man. That's nuts. Yeah, it is, it is nuts. Like, to this day, I think there are still not as many Jews alive in the world as there were before World War II. Oh, definitely not. Probably, yeah. Like, holy shit. Yeah. And then, like, 100%. Some, some of those battles in Russia, like, 10 million deaths. Yeah. 
20, over Russia 20 lost million. Like as many as the rest of the Earth combined, almost, didn't they? Yeah, it's absurd uh, what they lost. Uh, if you count Japan's entire campaign in China, that was another 20 million. Okay. So we don't even think about mostly, that one. No, yeah, we exactly. don't give a shit about Chinese people in American history. Well, because you conquer them and you're hungry again a half an hour later. <laughs> you gotta go conquer some more. <laughs> General Chow is just not. not General Chow was so busy fucking cooking sesame chicken or whatever. Defend the country. He could not defend China at all. I think he's like the uh, like the Colonel Sanders of China. I'd like to I'd like to think that in America in the war when like American forces and Chinese forces worked together, they sent a Colonel Sanders. There was definitely there There was one. There had had to to be one. one, Yeah, just by accident. I hope there's a uh, a German equivalent, like a like you know. Some sort of weird schnitzel company. Captain Sauerkraut. Yeah, like there's something. <laughs> <laughs> Commandant Sauerkraut is a like a German spokesperson. Kaiser Roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. That's it. That's what it has to be. Anyway, so while I do have these criticisms of the book, it's a, still a pretty good book. It's a, I really enjoyed reading it. It was a good book. I was, I was just bored. I thought it, it, it was, there was it was just so much and it was so long. My, and I was just bored. Mm, that's what she said. <laughs> no, she never said that. <laughs> it was short and boring. One of one of my criticisms was that it felt like at times it was like trying a little too hard to be profound in the writing. Oh, I have an example of that too. I have a few. I'm just trying to pull up like a couple. I was like, are you, is this really necessary to write? Okay, this? while you're looking for that, let like me bring up the here, one. Here's one. Okay, uh, maybe, maybe might be the same like, one. How deep will the snow be? Six feet, ten, a hundred miles deep, thinks Werner. We will drive over everything that once was. Like, no, he didn't think that. That's like, really deep snow. But you can't drive through a hundred foot deep snow. <laughs> yeah, no. that's too many feet. Um, and another one was, uh, now she can hear the pendulum in the air in front of her. The huge glo- uh, that huge golden bob as wide across as a barrel, swinging on and on, never stopping. Grooving and regrooving its human truth, its inhuman truth, excuse me, into the floor. Like, uh, why does a chapter have to end like that? Like, it's inhuman truth? It's talking about a fucking pendulum. <laughs> and sorry, grooving and regrooving sounds like a fucking a dance P-funk, remix album. That's a P Funk album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my example was uh, so the, 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 it's a little bit less profound than that, except so at one point when Werner's about to join the army and he goes back and sees his sister, his sister says, is it right to do something just because everyone else is doing it? And if you learned up. anything about well, Germany, Nazi Germany, then that's like the main message because it's kind of like but that's he how hasn't the Holocaust learned it yet because he, was he hasn't. In it. <laughs> it's true. But I feel like yeah, if, a, you've little... le- if you've ever learned anything about this time period, then that's a message you already know. And he's just trying to like make that a message of the book. It's like, oh, come on. Think another level beyond that. Should that one is old. Upstander Werner. Bad Werner. It was like, that's what I mean by being like really cliche. Because that's yeah. the cliche about Nazi Germany. It's like, oh, come on. No, I totally agree. It's still a pretty good book, though. Actually, it was a really good book. Uh, even all that stuff. So I, thought, I, thought it was I gave really... it three stars the first time I read it, but I changed it to four this I, time, I reading it the it, second time. I think I gave it five both times. I don't remember what I did. You gave three. Three, yeah. You son of a bitch. I mean, I would, I would say it probably deserved four. Oh, well, the way I see the stars is it's not how good it is, it's how much I enjoyed it. Of course. Mm-hmm. So totally I would say it, it's, it's a good book. I was just fucking bored, and that's just me, and that's my own personal thing, and 
that's just who I am. Well, we've definitely talked about the star rating on Goodreads that we're referring mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And for me, but it's always five it's, stars is, for me, is I'd want to read another book like this. Yeah. I'd read another book like this and I, 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 I'd I feel enjoy that. it. Mm-hmm. And three stars is like, that was okay. Four is, you know, somewhere between. Anything four four three should like, be like the standard of, that was a good book. I just thought this one was, it was good, but I just, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. And I, I know it should. I didn't love it the first time either. I did. Yeah. So I think if I read a second I time, I still wouldn't love it. Or I wouldn't like it anymore. But that's my personal foibles. I don't know if it's a of foibles, but just like you know, World War II books at this point in my life are not super interesting. Unless they're like really good. Wait till but you're also, 50. Yeah. I'm a white guy, so yeah. All right. Uh, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or go to Twitter at DrunkGuysBC or Facebook and Instagram at DrunkGuysBookClub. And if, you lis- if you've listened this far, why don't you just uh, give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening. We won't bomb your country into oblivion. And we're also now a member of the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. So if you like us, you should check them out too. All right. Thanks for listening. 